May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. Last week, we learned what migraines were, what the symptoms are, and some of the understandings of the pathophysiology. And we also learned about a connection between ADHD and migraines as well. Welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I am a pediatrician and internal medicine doctor and a diplomat of the Board of Clinical Lipidology and Lifestyle Medicine. I've been a physician for over 26 years. The goal of the podcast is to weave the best of both lifestyle medicine and medical management to reduce the suffering of those who are struggling with fibromyalgia and related problems. While I am a physician, I am not your physician, so make sure you discuss all medical signs and symptoms with your individual doctor. Remember that the advice given here is not for any specific medical condition, and this should be used for informational purposes only as a starting point on your journey going from learning to just live with to conquering as you go on your journey of living with fibromyalgia. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia. It's also meant for your loved one who just doesn't quite understand fibromyalgia but wants to learn more. And it's for medical doctors and other providers who just didn't have much training on fibromyalgia and related problems but is eager to learn more. We will continue the conversation with Dr. Shayette as she discusses the connection with concussions. I, I find this particularly in people who have had a lot of concussions. They will come to me for the headache part of the concussion. But when you ask them further, they will say stuff like, I used to concentrate better than I can now. And even though the traditional and current definition of ADHD means you can't diagnose ADHD unless you've kind of been born with it. <laughs> unless you've had it since you were a young child. A lot of people who have had significant concussion issues, they kind of acquire ADHD symptoms along the road. And sometimes treating those symptoms as if they had sort of true regular ADHD has helped their post-concussion headaches. What Dr. Shayette just told us is that she observed, and what also other studies have shown, that many people who have concussions, especially recurrent concussions, who have prolonged cognitive symptoms of concussions, display symptoms consistent with ADHD. And traditional diagnosis required a history going back many years. Someone's ADHD may have been somewhat hidden or not as manifest for different reasons, and when a concussion occurs, it may unmask this 
ADHD that they've had all along. Treating those who have post-concussion cognitive symptoms and ADHD have the same improvement in function as those who have ADHD without concussions. Extremely fascinating. I'm curious, which came first for you? Was it you read some research on the connection between ADHD and migraines, or was it just looking at the person's medical chart and noticing they were diagnosed? How Do you remember the initial connection and how yeah, you did that? Yeah, I mean, I you know, the, the, really the first kid I had, it wasn't reading the research because the research is so spotty. It's, it's crazy for two things that are so, so common. You'd think there'd be a lot of research on them, but there's not a whole lot of research connecting. I'm not saying there's zero, but these things are super common, but it's really clinical experience that helps you put it together And, you know, when you ask about headaches and you find out people aren't sleeping very much because they're staying up till 4 a.m. to do the stuff they should have done at 9 p.m., you know, that should set you down a road of why why are you doing that? And that would potentially open up the ADHD door. For those physicians or medical students in training, it echoes the importance of always being a clinical observer, and looking for clues, being that medical detective that doctors are meant to be. Dr. Shiat's experience is similar to mine in drawing the connection of the clues between fibromyalgia and all these related problems. I think another problem, though, is that due to the way people are trained, due to the system that we're in, you know, you go to one doctor for your headaches And you go to another doctor for your ADHD stuff and those two doctors, they don't necessarily communicate with each other or think about the other's issues. How many of you have gone to multiple physicians? How many physicians total? Dr. Shayette is talking about headaches and migraines and ADHD and just using neurology and psychiatry But many of you also may be seeing multiple specialists. There may be an orthopedic surgeon for chronic arthritis or knee pain. There may be a rheumatologist for comorbid rheumatoid arthritis who may have made the diagnosis of fibromyalgia in addition. There may be a gastrointestinal doctor seeing you for irritable bowel or functional abdominal pain. There may be a urogynecologist seeing you for interstitial cystitis or vulvodynia. Ideally, there would be one physician who could make the connection between all of these and the internist, the pediatrician, the family practice physician are all positioned to be that doctor. Dr. Shiat continues to discuss the relationship between ADHD and migraines. But there's so many different ways that headaches can worsen ADHD, just like there's so many different ways ADHD can worsen headaches that it's kind of a disservice not to think about both of them together. However, you know, many neurologists, they don't like treating ADHD. That's not what they went to medical school for. And if you can find a psychiatrist who treats migraines, I'd be very surprised. Dr. Shayette is not making a dig at psychiatry. In fact, she's married to her husband, who is a psychiatrist. It does, however, cause potential problems if the psychiatrist does not recognize the significance of ADHD 
and the impact it can have on other central pain syndrome problems, including migraines and fibromyalgia. So, you know, uh, same brain, but people have different interests in training. And that, unfortunately, is the recurrent message that many people listening who have fibromyalgia is often their diagnosis is made by the rheumatologist, but they're not brain experts, which is a central pain processing disorder. So they're, and even though it's the second most common diagnosis made in a rheumatology clinic, their training is on, quote, real problems, real inflammatory problems that involve anti-inflammatory agents which often makes them feel dismissed. Now go talk to your regular doctor who hasn't had training and you end up getting caught in the middle. One of the things that I'm sure when you were in med school and in training was the research showing or talking about how there seems to be sort of this anxiety, depression component with a lot of headaches and migraines. And I think that still is connected, but that often infuriates people, especially with fibromyalgia is because they'll say, well, you're just anxious. You just need to relax. And not recognizing those same researchers, not often recognizing that that anxiety is often the presenting symptom of their ADHD. Yes, and I think that's only been discussed in the last very few years is the recognition that a lot of what people are treating as anxiety has some ADHD mixed up in it. And so, you know, some of the questions that we traditionally ask about anxiety really overlap with ADHD. And, you know, restlessness would spring to mind. You could be restless from either one, depression as well. So the most standard depression screening questionnaires, you know, everybody's all about questionnaires. They give you the PHQ-9 and at least two of the questions out of, I think there's like nine are very heavily weighted towards ADHD. Can you concentrate is one of the questions. And are you restless is, an, is another one on the screening depression inventories. For those of you who are not familiar what PHQ-9 is, PHQ-9 stands for the Patient Health Questionnaire 9. There's nine questions. And they start with, how often have you been bothered by the following over the last two weeks. And you can say not at all slash hardly at all, several days, but less than half, more than half the days, or nearly every day. So the first question is, how often have you been bothered by having little interest or pleasure in doing things? The second is, how often have you been feeling down, depressed, or hopeless? The third, trouble falling or staying asleep or sleeping too much? Feeling tired or having little energy? Poor appetite or overeating? Feeling bad about yourself that you are a failure or have let yourself or family down? Trouble concentrating on things such as reading the newspaper, watching TV, or other things, especially more cognitively challenging problems? Moving or speaking so slowly that other people have noticed? Also known as psychomotor retardation, just not starting things low motivation, or the opposite, being really fidgety and restless and feeling like you have to move around a lot. And the last, any thoughts that you would be better off dead or of hurting yourself in some way. These are a tool to help make the diagnosis of depression and also can help rate the severity of depression and then can be used for follow-up. In some ways, it's a 
similar to the fibromyalgia impact questionnaire, the widespread pain index and symptom severity score. And as Dr. Shayette mentioned, many of these overlap. So there's just a lot of overlap with symptoms. And again, I think this was part of how we traditionally viewed neuropsychiatric disorders in the first place. I mean, ADHD used to be thought of as bad kids with bad parents. And it's only been about 100 years in the making, so to speak. Well, many years in the making, but 100 years ago that people started to think of, oh, this is kind of something that could be a brain-mediated behavior thing. And uh, I believe that the anxiety and depression treatments were a little earlier than that. So I think, you know, we have history guiding how we're trained as doctors and how we think about these problems as well. But anxiety and depression were sort of more established diagnoses before ADHD. And now, 100 years later, we're realizing how mixed up they can all be. I first. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that is more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more. Had an opportunity to hear Dr. Shayat speak about the connection between ADHD and migraines on the Attitude Magazine podcast. Both her and I drew similar connections between the struggles of migraines and fibromyalgia along with ADHD and recognize that both of us currently are somewhat outliers in being able to recognize this or drawing these similar conclusions. I asked Dr. Shayat to give a typical case of someone who's struggled and how this may play out in real life, both with yourself or with a loved one, or if you're a physician listening to one of your patients. Yeah. I mean, you can picture our friend Sally, whoever, whoever Sally is, there's lots of Sally's around. Let's say she's um, 15 years old and she's had headaches here or there And then all of a sudden they got worse. The headaches became all day, every day. And like many do, she went to Costco and got the Costco-sized ibuprofen and was taking it and taking it and Excedrin and Tylenol and stuff. And, you know, maybe it helped and then it didn't help. And she started to have nausea and nobody knew whether that was from all the ibuprofen or something else, right? And she started to miss more and more school and activities and got behind in school. And she went to her primary care doctor who set it up, got to go see the neurologist, see an eye doctor, maybe make sure everything's okay. And, you know, that's where I met her. She told me she had an uncle who died of a brain tumor. It seems like everyone always has an uncle who died of a brain tumor, Dr. Shayat is typically going to be seeing patients who've had difficult to control migraines. And it's not uncommon that there might be a family history of a brain tumor or a stroke that causes a lot of anxiety. So her parents were kind of freaking out and she was sleeping okay, but she felt tired all the time. 
part of that may have been, she didn't think so, but you know, she had her phone right in her bed all the time. She was getting about six hours of sleep. Grades sort of went from A's and B's when she was in middle school to B's and C's in high school. She had a lot of pressure. She felt like she was always worried about things, always worried about school. Everything was way worse around her period. Everyone, everyone agreed on that. And she was also a soccer player with a history of concussions from heading the ball too much. And when I talked to her a little bit more, it sounded like she always felt behind at school. She could manage when school wasn't so hard, but then she had to work harder and harder. You know, one hour of homework takes two, that's doable. But in high school, if three hours of homework takes six, we're getting into problems. I'm sure you've met a Sally like that too. I definitely see that quite frequently. And more importantly, for you who are listening, if you're a patient or have a loved one who's struggling with migraines, this could very likely sound familiar to you. And you may be wondering why your physician didn't draw the connection. And if you're a physician, the insights that Dr. Shiat is sharing will hopefully help you reconsider how you look at cases similar to this Sally, as there are many Sallies out there who are struggling and need to get help in getting better. And often you feel helpless to reduce the suffering that they are going through. Bringing that connection, the younger you are, maybe just be regional pain, like painful uh-huh. periods in the migraines. And then unfortunately, as that morphs into adult life, when there is less structure, you know, uh-huh. when you're a teenager, the parents are offering that buffer uh-huh. to some of the stress and day-to-day responsibilities. Then you go off to college. Uh, I had a recent patient who, looking back at her history, she is uh, into, well, in her adult life, she had not migraines, but severe IBS flare-ups when she started in college. She was looking at doing a STEM career. Uh-huh. And when those classes were more challenging, uh, uh-huh. as you know, in the pre-med, she shifted to an education major eventually, but she had to go home because of Uh the high stress impacting that and often hear that case over and over. Right. And so, you know, this is a very common thing. And this girl was having headaches all the time, which we as neurologists call chronic daily headache. I never did quite understand what might be different from chronic daily headache from a complex regional pain syndrome, but that may be another story for another topic. What Dr. Sarah Shayat brings out is that what is the difference between somebody who has chronic daily headaches and overlapping into fibromyalgia and other chronic pain syndromes? And that's where I see that these are often on the same continuum with sometimes only having chronic daily headaches, but then as it worsens over time, it spreads to more areas of the body and meets the criteria of fibromyalgia. And maybe as time goes on and there may be less stress or doing better overall, they don't make the criteria for fibromyalgia and may have intermittent migraines. Very often those who have chronic daily migraines 
may fully meet the criteria for fibromyalgia, but if they're being seen by a neurologist or if the patient doesn't bring up the other symptoms because of fear of being considered a hypochondriac, they may not trust the physician will truly accept the symptoms they have as valid as real. And unfortunately, this may miss the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. But, you know, basically this kid was feeling behind. She was a nice kid. People liked her. She was chatty. People liked chatty, except for her teachers were a little annoyed. She never liked to read. She had lots of screen time. And she kind of adopted this persona of kind of the ditzy kid. And it was so funny. And she loved that part of her, you know, parents didn't know that there was anything different. This was her, their first kid. And they said, yeah, I thought that's just a teenage thing. I thought that was just the way she was. And so Sally was really kind of suffering here. She felt she was smart, but she always had to work harder than other people. But, you know, the airhead persona was part of her. She, she had some social benefits from that. And, you know, it kept going for quite a long time, but at some point it was too much. And she came to see me. And at that point, she really viewed herself as a very sick person. Like she thought she was dying. And, you know, by the time I saw her, she'd had a lot of different tests, but she and her parents were both convinced that the doctors were missing something like maybe something fatal you know all these doctor visits were also causing financial stressors for the family and you know parents and siblings were stressed out too I mean this was a somewhat chaotic child all the time her siblings thought she was doing this for attention one parent thought she was really suffering the other one thought she was faking it I mean there was all sorts of stresses in the family I'm sure that happens with fibromyalgia as well I hear these stories over and over, and one of my earliest podcast episodes was the cost of delayed diagnosis. If this could have just been identified by the pediatrician right off the bat Uh and talked about this, likely all of this would have been avoided. Uh But unfortunately, many pediatricians aren't as confident, so they may be, oh, I'm a little worried about that, and they maybe aren't as experienced in doing a detailed neurologic exam like maybe an adult physician because they're more, Uh and so they may get a little worried. So then they maybe order a MRI or CT. Maybe there's an incidental finding and (sighs) go to a, you know, pediatric who maybe goes, Oh, wow. uh, Well, that is something. And then each time that you also go and see another physician, it actually decreases your confidence in the medical system, which also then increases anxiety. And and part of the ADHD brain is one that tends to catastrophize more and more hypersensitive. So this just feeds into it. And that's why hopefully with this podcast, those who are listening, who are going through this, their loved ones who never get hardly a headache at all. Uh And and Uh physicians out there can start to grow with this confidence that this is something that needs to be recognized by more. If everybody in the San Francisco Bay area who has ADHD and migraine saw you, you would be working 24 hours. Oh my God. Yes. Yet how many people are going to emergency rooms and are being given, you know, benzodiazepines for anxiety and Mm -hmm. are getting repeat CT scans and, and, and getting workups for chest pain because they're having anxiety and, and all of these unnecessary treatments. So as Dr. Dodson, who I interviewed is, ADHD important. And of course, one of the last episodes I did with him was 
Of course it's important. And yet some people dismiss it as just an optional diagnosis yeah. and, and it's not needed to even be addressed. Studies and experience with me and probably when you look at those who are getting referred to you as a pediatric neurologist are the ones who are the sickest, the ones who are having more frequent ones that are more debilitating. And the connection, at least in the study, I saw one study from Brazil that those who had classified as more severe migraines as how the frequency and intensity were a lot more likely to have ADHD than those who may have one every three months. This is where we will end this episode and we will pick up next week on our part three, the final part of our conversation with Dr. Shayette and discussing what happens when you treat ADHD in those who have migraines. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Shayette discussing migraines. Migraines and fibromyalgia have so much in common. Both are central pain processing problems. And there is hope with comprehensive management and treatment using the best of lifestyle and medical management to help those go from having severe frequent migraines to less frequent and less severe migraines as well as the same with fibromyalgia. One way to show your appreciation for the podcast is to leave a five-star review and hit the like and share button. That way other people who have not gotten a chance to hear this information can learn more. Until next week, go Team Fibro. Fibro.